we've been in the middle of a sermon series entitled uh, Better Together, and we've been covering a lot of spiritual warfare. And, and you say, well, Pastor, why, did you, why didn't you just say, you know, entitle it Spiritual Warfare? Well, because I truly believe, I want, to, I want to remind you that the enemy wants to destroy our unity, our togetherness, our cohesiveness, because we are called to be the light of Christ in the world, the presence of Christ. We're called to represent him and to show this world what Christ is all about. Who is we? The church. The church is called to be the presence of Christ, the very body of Christ, the family of God that represents him, that brings him glory, that makes his name famous. And if the enemy can destroy our unity and he can come in through warfare and, and begin to render our effectiveness uh, not, not effective, then he, he will. He will attack our faith, our effectiveness, our ability to bring God glory. And so that's what we've been talking about. And you say, Pastor, um, we're in a spiritual fight. I remember the verse you used. It's out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And Paul is detailing the spiritual fight there for us. And he says, for we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood. Now, that word wrestle is, is interesting because it has... The word wrestle doesn't give you the full connotation of what Paul was communicating. What he's saying is we do not fight. We do not wrestle. We do not battle. We do not war against other people, other persons in terms of flesh and blood humans. We battle a spiritual foe, a spiritual enemy. And he details it there. He says principalities against powers, against rulers of this dark age, against spiritual hosts, that's the spiritual wicked armies in the heavenly places, is what Paul is saying. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you have been very faithful even on Wednesday nights when we've been talking about discerning the times and we're going much deeper there on Wednesday nights. We've been talking about some things that are coming our way that many people are oblivious to and they're not even... They're not even understanding how quickly we are, we are just basically barreling down the track towards the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And this next Wednesday, I'm going to talk about some th things that are going to blow your mind. But you've got to show up on Wednesday if you want to hear it. If you want to catch up on some of those messages, go to MyFCM. MyFCM, uh, download the app. That's what, you, that's what you type in in the search at, uh, at the app store to, my, FC, my FCM, once you have the app, then at the app you can go to media and listen to this sermon series, either Better Together or Discerning the Times. But I want you to know that we battle not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle, and when you battle spiritually, you need to use a spiritual weapon. One of the spiritual weapons that we have been given, think about this with me for a second, one of the spiritual weapons that we've been given is faith. As a matter of fact, faith is the way we have relationship with God. For it is what? By grace that we have been saved through faith. Through faith. In other words, the way you access God's amazing grace is through faith. Without faith, you cannot please God, says the author of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please him. Now, you need to understand there's a spiritual battle taking place. There's spiritual weapons and there's spiritual strategies. The enemy uses these strategies right here. Pride, offenses, bitterness, envy, covetousness, anger, resentment, unforgiveness, sexual morality. How many of you know that's just a short list? It goes on and on and on and on. He can use all sorts of sinful attitudes to gain access to you and to begin to knock you off the path. Once he knocks you off the path, then he can begin to really do his work. But can I simplify this for you for a second? I want you to know that, that the enemy uses a three-punch combination over and over and over. And out of this three-punch combination, he will work towards this, towards this list. You say, well, wow, you really are taking this battle thing pretty far. Listen, some of us are going to be tempted to listen and to learn all you can about the spiritual battle so that you can learn how to avoid it. 
And I'm telling you, you can't avoid it. As a matter of fact, I showed a, a clip of a fighter. He's a, he's a UFC fighter who got beat. I'm not going to use their names. But he got beat this, this two weeks ago on a weekend, the last UFC fight. And he lost immediately, even though he was like 19-0. and 0. And he did a lot of trash talking because he, he fully expected to win. And he didn't just get beat in the first round. He got beat in the first five seconds of the first round. Meaning they said, fight. He ran out there and bam, that was it. The guy charged him. He went down like he usually does to, to grab him and to take him down. But the guy didn't just charge him regularly. He charged him and did a flying knee, caught him in the face, knocked him out, sent him to the hospital. After he gets back from the hospital and they, and they do the concussion protocol, he gives an interview. And in his interview, he's asked, do you regret talking noise? Because your opponent said, because you talk so much noise, he tried to knock your head off. And he said, no, I don't regret talking noise because listen, guess what? We're in the fight game and I don't know one fighter that doesn't try to knock his opponent's head off even if he likes him. That's the nature of the game. Can I tell you the nature of Satan is that he wants to knock your head off even if you're nice to him. And this is what the fighter said. The fighter said, even if I had been nice to him, he wouldn't have played patty cake with me. See, some of us think we can play patty cake with the enemy. Say, if I leave you alone, enemy, you leave me alone. And he says, yeah, believe that lie. Believe that lie. Because you're halfway defeated if you do. Think about it. If you think he's not going to steal, kill, and destroy you, then you'll never see it coming when he does it. The truth is, that's his nature. Jesus said it best in John 10.10. 10. The enemy comes to do only one of three things, steal, kill, destroy, or all three at the same time. He is an evil enemy. And I want to let you know about his one, two, three punch combination. It's found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Watch this. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Listen to the ESV version. For all that is in the world, the desires instead of, of lust. Did you know that lust is a desire? It's a fleshly desire. Now I need you to understand something. You have a one, two, three punch combination that he uses over and over and over because it's very, very effective. He used it with Eve. He used it all through the Old Testament. If I had time, I could show you every time he uses this, this combination on people, why it's effective. But this is not all that's going on. You want to know what's going on? You live in a very materialistic system designed to get at your flesh. That is your carnal self. That is your, uh, that, that, that is your fallen nature. So you have a world you have a fallen nature and you have the enemy using this one, two, three punch combination. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. So you say, well, wait a minute. What do you mean about this materialistic system? This materialistic worldly system is designed to lure you away by your senses. And one of the greatest things it uses is your eyes to focus on things and have a desire for them. Shiny objects, things that, that, that make it, wow, how, how impressive that would be, how good that would be, how awesome that would feel. I want more of that because what the enemy wants you to do is to put your trust in stuff rather than God. What the enemy wants you to do is to think, maybe this can make me happy, maybe this can bring me fulfillment, and God is saying, don't you know, only I can truly bring you fulfillment. And so we need to be careful with this. You see this over and over and over. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ himself said, when he was asked, what are the signs of the end of the age? He said, it will be like the days of who? What does that mean? Days of Noah. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given into marriage. Now, I'm going to talk about that because he says, before the flood came, 
And I truly believe the Bible in those verses there is describing, listen to me, a hybrid race that was a combination of fallen angels and humans that terrorized the land. And, and I'll give you specifics from God's word. You go, what in the world are you talking about? That's why the flood had to come. The book of Jude says that those angels that did such a thing are right now being held, held for the day of judgment. They are bound right now by God because they left their natural habitation to do this evil thing against God. Now, now you say, whoa, 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 I want to hear more about that. Come on Wednesday night. That's Wednesday night's message. Today, I want to tell you, Jesus said it would also be like the days of Lot. The days of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, before they were destroyed, there was sexual morality, there was a total disregard for the things of God, there was man thinking that he knew right and that it was all about what he found pleasure in and thought was right. But it also says this, Jesus says, do not be like Lot's wife. What does that mean, do not be like Lot's wife? Lot's wife had a longing for this world. She had an affection for this world. So when God was trying to get her out, he said, don't look back. But she couldn't help it because she knew she would miss her friends. She would miss, uh-oh. She would miss the life she was living in that world. So when she looked back, she turned to salt. What is Jesus telling us? It's the same thing he's saying here in John. You cannot love the world and love God at the same time. Jesus says it over and over. You're either going to love me or you're going to love the God of materialism. This is what he says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you cannot love both God and mammon. Who is mammon? It's the Babylonian God of materialism. You cannot love me and materialism. You will either be devoted to him and hate me or you will love me and despise him. But you cannot love both of us. In the end... In the end times, there will be entire groups of people that call themselves Christians that are lukewarm. You see that today. People get on television, I want to give honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, they're living like sleeping around, doing all kinds of craziness, breaking every law. But I want to give honor and glory to my Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, are you kidding me? No, 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 no. It, it's more than lip service. You can't be on your way to heaven looking back. Think about this with me for a second, because I want to talk to you about one of the biggest open doors that God, that, I mean, that the enemy uses. And the first point I want to highlight is selfishness. It's this lust of the eyes. It's this taking your focus off of God and putting it on what you think can bring you happiness and it's a lie from the enemy. And you find this there in the, in the book of Genesis, right at the beginning, the one-three punch. Watch this. The one-three punch combination he uses on Eve. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, who is he? The serpent. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Now watch what he does. He begins to question the word of God. Can I tell you, the serpent and the enemy, the devil, will always have you try to question God's word. Because if he can get you questioning God's word, then the next step is to have you deny God's word. Watch. First you have to question it before you deny it, right? And if he can get you to deny it, then he's broken faith. You've broken faith, and without faith, you cannot please God. There is no relationship with God without faith. And so you have to be careful with this. Now watch this. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now watch this. The question, now the denial. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Can I tell you what's going on here? Faith is built 
not by your thoughts way up here in the heavens. It's by living day by day. What do I mean by that? I think sometimes we think faith is, oh, singing some beautiful worship song and I just felt so awesome. Or faith is talking about the things of God. No, no, faith is living it. Watch this. God says, the entire garden I made for you. Now, this is what I ask. One tree is mine. It's off limits to you. All of it I made and I gave to you, but one I retained for myself. You know what this sounds like? It sounds like the tithe. Because if you want to break free from the materialistic world, you need to learn how to trust God day by day where you live. Some of us think we're going to break through by thinking about heavenly thoughts. The way you break through is you grab God's word and you live it day by day. Watch this. Watch this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasing or pleasant to the eye, lust of the eyes. Oh, it looks so good. It is good for food. It's good for... This is the same thing he used with Jesus. Watch this. Lust of the flesh is you've been hungry for 40 days because you've been fasting. Turn those stones into bread and eat. Lust of the flesh. Watch the lust of the eyes. He took him to a high place, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, I will give these to you as they shined in the night. He said, I will give them to you. All you have to do is worship me. All you have to do is compromise. Watch this. Pride of life. If you are God, prove it. Bible says if you throw yourself from here, God won't let your, the angels of God won't let you be hurt. Prove it to me. Pride. God says, Jesus, I don't have to prove anything to you. I know I'm God. (laughs) Amen. I know I'm God. I don't have to prove anything to you. Some of us want to prove. That's the pride talking. Watch this. And that it was able to make her wise. It was desirable to make one wise as God. That's the pride of life. One, two, three, punch. So she, gave, she did eat and gave some to her husband. And they both fell together. Now watch this. This is the principle of giving God what belongs to him. And not taking it for ourselves. When we in our selfishness start looking at it and saying, but God, you're withholding from me. I should be able to have everything. No, this is able to bless me. This is what's going to make me happy. So I want the one thing you told me I couldn't have. That's selfishness that comes from the lust of the eyes. And it's dishonoring God on what he said was his. You say, but pastor, it's not fair to create to to Adam and Eve. That tree in the midst of the garden was so good looking. Did you know that if you go one chapter behind, watch, go, go one chapter back to Genesis 2, verse 9. Watch, watch, read this with me. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that was pleasant. All the trees were pleasant to the eye. Why did she fixate on this one? Because the enemy wanted her and started tempting her with this lust of the eyes, which is plain old selfishness. You might call it greed. You might call it desire. You might call it lust. But this is the principle that we're talking about here. The principle of faith and breaking free from the door or the attack of the enemy that he uses materialism to attack us with. Watch this. In the book of Exodus, chapter 13, verses 1 through 2, the Bible says this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborns, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast. That means anything that is born... Both animal and human, the very first one is mine. This is God saying, it's mine. Is this the only thing he desires? No, there's, there's a principle here of first fruits and firstborn. Okay, firstborn is the one we just read. Now, now watch the first fruits one. The first fruits, the first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now, Watch the wording there. It's very, very critical. Bring instead of give. What's the difference between bring and give? 
Anyone? I can't give you something that's not mine. I have to bring it. Right? Think about it this way for a second. Let's say Brother Jewel, is, is, his truck is in the shop, and he finds out that me and my family, we're going on vacation or something, and we're going to be flying out, and he says, Pastor Chris, can I borrow your truck? And I said, yeah, we're good friends. Absolutely, you can borrow my truck. I'm going to borrow your truck for the week that you're gone. I'll drop you off at the airport and pick you up. Man, that sounds great. Meanwhile, my truck will get fixed. So I call him, make sure he's going to be there. I'm already here. Awesome. Plane arrives on time. He picks us up. And then we're driving back into Bastrop, and he says this. He says, as he pulls in to uh, his house, and he says, you know, Mary and I were talking, Pastor, and we've been praying. We've been praying and really considering this. And I heard, I heard a, another pastor illustrated this way. I thought it was brilliant, so I thought I'd share it with you. He says, we've been praying, and we've just really felt in our hearts. You know, in our hearts, we just feel like we should give you this drug. I'm like, whoa, 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 come again? The truck I lent you, which is mine, you just felt so generous to give it to me. Come on, how many of you think that's weird? How many of you go, what are you talking about, Willis? You know, that, that just doesn't make no sense to me. You know, can I tell you, that's how we are when we come to God and go, Lord, we've been praying and we've been really talking and considering and so we want to give you this tithe. And God goes, what? It's mine already. You're not giving me anything, Jack. It's mine. Come on. How many of us know that when we have this attitude that I'm bringing something to the Lord, then we miss the whole point. We start thinking that we can direct it. And we start thinking we can decide where it goes. And we start thinking, well, I can give to this evangelist or I can give to this special cause or I can give to the United Way or the Red Cross and I can do with my tithe because it's my tithe. Listen, it's God's tithe. Bring it to God's house where God has placed you and he has put you under authority. That's where you bring the tithe. And this is the thing. You don't get to say, well, what are you doing with my tithe? Or I thought I would give my tithe to this special project or that. That's how you give a tithe. But when you bring one, it ain't yours. Come on, I got one amen. Everybody else is going, I don't like that because I, like I like to have control over it. I like to have control over it. Can I tell you something? When the priest would present the offering to the Lord, it wasn't presented until they took their hand off of it. Some of us try to keep our hand on it, and God goes, when you get your hand off of it, then I'll receive it. What's already mine. So I want you to think about this with me for a second because there's only two things we can do with the tithe. We can bring it or we can steal it. And this is a huge open door for spiritual attack in your life. It's a huge open door for spiritual attack. Watch how the enemy attacked their children. They couldn't get it right. And they started coveting what wasn't theirs, the tree in the middle of the garden. That's what caused them to fall. And they passed the same disbelief and, and unfaithfulness onto one of their sons. Watch this. The very next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, the Bible tells us the story of, of, their, of their two children, Cain and Abel. And this is the story. And in the process of time, I want you to mark that with me for a second. In the process of time, notice what the Bible said. In Exodus 23, 19, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord. Okay? Watch, watch what Cain does when he got around to it. In the process of time, not the first of the first fruits, when I got around to it, can I put it in everyday language? Well, after I get my business going, after we pay for a house, after I buy a new vehicle, after I get a pool, after I do vacation, when I get around to it, first I got to pay this guy and that guy and all these other bills. Then, Lord, I'll throw you some money. You should be happy. This is what Cain's saying. I gave you something. 
God, uh, Cain's saying, you saw me. I came and I put it on. The, come on, I want to preach just a little bit. I want to. And God's saying, what? You dishonor me? I can't be second? Think about it. If God accepts an offering just like that, he's saying, that's who I am. God's saying, I am not second. I am first in all the universe. And I cannot accept something. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. See, some of us are going, well, well, he should be happy. I gave him 3%. He should be happy. I mean, it's what I had left over at the end of the month. Read the passage. Some of you are not happy right now. Because they're like, I can't believe pastor's preaching on this. Did I tell you it was an open door? Watch what God tells Cain here. So the Lord respected Abel's offering, but he did not respect Cain's offering. And Cain was angry and his countenance fell. You know what his countenance fell? He had an ugly face. His lip was hanging. He's mad. Why is he upset? He's upset because God's not being... God, you ain't getting with the program, God. Don't you know I got bills, God? I have this going on, God. I have that going on, God. I got, you got excuses, what God's saying. Trust me. Let me show you who I am. Watch this. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, if you give me Put me first place. I'll bless you too. Now watch what happens. This is immediately what takes place. God says, watch. For sin lies crouching at your door and it wants to what? And its desire is for you, but you need to rule over it. You need to do what is right. And if you do what is right, then sin will not have an opportunity to come in. Because behold, Jesus also stands at the door and he knocks. And if you hear his voice, you can open the door and you can let him in. But you might say, well, pastor, I have let him in. But listen, listen, you give Jesus your heart when you give him your treasure. See, some of us want to have faith way up here. No, no, no. Faith is lived down here. Do you know Jesus spoke more about finances than he did about heaven and hell? Why? Because it's where you live. And it's where you live that will determine where you will live. Amen. Amen? So we have to be careful with this. So I want you to understand what happens immediately Cain gets angry with God, but because he cannot punish God, he punishes his brother. Good preaching, pastor. That's deep because this is what takes place. We open this door. The enemy comes in and starts doing his work, creating more unbelief, creating more stress, more strife. And it won't play out just with you and God. It will also play out with you and your brothers and bring disunity in the house of God. And so the Bible says it clearly in Leviticus, and all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or whether the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it is holy, set aside to him. Number two is not just selfishness, but I think the enemy uses unbelief. Think about what he'll do. Did God really say that? Some of you are already being asked questions by the enemy. Some of you have been asked questions by the enemy for, for a long time where you hear him saying, did God really intend tithing in the New Testament? Now you're not under a curse. Surely you won't die. Isn't that what he told Eve? He told Eve, no, you're not going to die. Some of you are hearing that very same thing. No, you're not under a curse. You're under, come on now. You already know it. You're under grace. Grace, everything goes. No, grace isn't an excuse to live lower. It's a reason to live higher. It's a reason to live higher. So, so be careful with the unbelief because you find this principle throughout Scripture. In the book of jo Joshua, you have the children of Israel entering into the promised land. So this is what God has promised them. Now, I need you to understand something. The children of Israel represent us. God has everything that's taken place in their lives and with them as a nation 
to show us how we are to react to God. Okay, now, now watch this. Throughout the entire journey of the children of Israel, God is trying to teach them how to live free. And how do you live free? You trust your father. You trust your father. You don't complain against him. You don't get selfish with him. You trust him. You give him what belongs to him, and he will bless you and make you the envy of the world. So now here they are about to enter into the promised land, and this is what he tells Joshua. I'm going to give you this entire land. You're going to have cities you didn't build. You're going to have vineyards you didn't plant. You're going to have orchards you didn't have to wait to grow up. You're going to have all of this because I am a good father. That's what he's saying to them. But this is what I need you to do. The very first city is which city? Jericho. When you come to that city, everything you get from there, all the spoils are mine. Watch. Read this with me. In the book of Joshua, chapter 6, verse uh, 19. But all the silver and gold, the vessels of bronze, iron, are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So I want you to think about this. They marched around it. They blew horns. They did this. They did that. The walls came tumbling down. All the inhabitants were destroyed. And all we have to do is go in and pick it up. But who does it belong to? Why? Because it's the first. It's the first fruits. The rest of the cities are yours. But this one belongs to me, God says. Why? Did God really say that? No, that's the enemy talking. Surely you won't be cursed. Surely that's not true. Well, watch what happens. One of the individuals goes in and takes some and puts it in his own tent. And you hear God talking about it right here in the very next chapter. Chapter 7, verse 11. Israel has sinned and they have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken some of the accursed things. What does that mean? That means there's a curse on it now because it was dedicated to me. Watch this. And have both stolen and deceived. They have also put it among their own stuff. That means they kept it in their own, in their own account, in their own bank, in their own tent, in their own home. They kept it for themselves. And, and, and listen to what God says. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. You know what's so interesting? I'm sure the enemy told that man, did God really say that? Surely you won't die. Now I want to be clear. We do live under grace. And that's why I think many of us aren't dropping dead. (laughs) Thank goodness or I'd be dead. We live under grace. But that doesn't mean that we aren't missing out on some things that God desired to give us. And we're just so, we're just so steeped in unbelief. And God says, I want to bless you like you've never been blessed before. If you would only trust me, I would set you free in some areas. I would give you peace and joy. And I would show you things you've never understood. I would have relationship with you. And I will rebuke the enemy and the devourer. If you only understand, watch what he says in the book of Malachi. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Surely he's not talking about the same thing he talked about in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Surely. But God says, I don't change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have, what? Gone away from my ordinances. That means the way, the ordinary way that you should deal with me. You've gone away from them. So watch this. And you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say to me, in what way shall we return? And then God begins to ask, will a man rob God? Now I want you to key, up, key, up, key in on that word rob. Watch this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are what? Cursed with a curse. Did God really say we'd be cursed? 
surely you won't be cursed. What did he, what did he tell Eve? What he questioned, God, did God really say it? And then he said what? Surely you won't die. Surely you won't be cursed. Yet God says in, chapter, in verse six, I don't change. Will a, God, will a man rob me, yet you have robbed me? You know, and then he says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Listen to this. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me in this. And says the Lord of hosts, test me in it, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will not have enough room to receive it. I'm going to blow your socks off. I'm going to knock the doors off. I'm going to bless you more than you could possibly bless yourself. Now, you might be thinking, pastor just wants us to give more money. Can I tell you something? Foundation is doing good. Foundation's doing good. It's not about us receiving more money. It's about I look and I see the open doors that families leave open for the enemy to come in. And I'm saying, don't you know you could be so much more blessed? Don't you know that God wants to stand guard over your home? Don't you know that God wants to take you from glory to glory in your faith so that you would what? understand how to trust him more and have have relationship with him don't you know think about this with me for a second just please think about that i'm pleading with you when we were an agricultural society it was easier for the farmer and the rancher to get this why because he or she knew it's all up to god the rain, the grass, the water, I mean, everything, the cattle, the, whether they, they, they give birth or not, everything is dependent on God. And they knew this, but we've moved away from that. And now we let the enemy ask, did God really say that? Will you really be cursed? Because most of us, listen, an overwhelming majority compared to years back work for the government now in some way, shape, or form. And that government just prints money and keeps sending you checks. And we have gotten a false sense of security. But let me ask my businessmen, how much do you really control your future? Let me ask my businesswomen, how much do you really control your future? Can you determine the price of goods? Can you determine what you can sell them for if someone will buy them? Can you determine anything, really? Can you determine if your suppliers or those that owe you money will stiff you on money? Will you, can you determine? I had my little brother who's a small businessman one, one time. Uh, one, of, one of his partners went belly up, didn't tell him, strung him along to where he had $50,000 that he owed him and then filed bankruptcy. Left him holding the bag of $50,000. You tell me if he needed the Lord as a small businessman. What I'm trying to tell you is this, we need God. And this is where we finish. Let God rebuke the devourer. Let him take care of your business. Listen to what he says. It will, he will not destroy the fruit on your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And I will make it to where everything you touch is blessed and the world around will notice. Will notice. The very last point is fear. So we've talked about what? Selfishness, unbelief, and now fear. I truly believe that many, many, many times we succumb to the fear. And then once we succumb to the fear, the enemy will use what? Selfishness and unbelief. Conveniently start to have us disbelieve and be selfish. Now I want to show you very quickly 
how fear grabbed hold of Judas Iscariot, the disciple of Christ, and had him betray the Lord. In the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 3, the Bible says, Then Satan entered Judas. I want you to highlight that. Satan entered Judas. Are you telling me, Pastor, that Satan can enter me? What I'm telling you is that when we do not walk in faith, we're given access to the enemy to get involved in our lives. And he brings death and destruction, lying, cheating, and the rest. So watch what happens. Who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and the captains how he might betray who? Christ to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. I want you to highlight the money part. Why? Because we'd like faith to be all about this in the heavens, but faith is walked out right here on earth. Right here on earth. And Satan tempts us in this area of finances and materialism. Now this is what's going on. He's fearful. Why is he fearful? Well, I believe he's fearful because he thinks this whole thing's about to come to an end. Maybe he's doubting now unbelief whether Jesus is really the Messiah. But we know that he was a thief for a time now. And he gave access to, to Satan. Watch this. In John chapter 12, the Bible says, Then six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Who? Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with Jesus. So they're eating, and who? Martha is serving them. Now watch this. Then Mary took a pound. Who is Mary? Mary's the younger sister who loved Jesus. She takes a pound of very costly, fragrant oil, spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped them with her hair, right? And the entire house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. See, when God's church gives him their tithe and honors them with their first fruits, then the Holy Spirit fills the entire place with his presence. Watch this. But one of his disciples, Judas, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? That's a year's worth of wages and given to the poor. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Mm. Watch this. When you take something that's not yours, you're opening up yourself to be influenced by the enemy. And this is how he influences you. He'll overcome you with fear. How? Insecurity, uncertainty about the future. I don't know if I'll make it. I just, I just don't know, Lord. I, I want to trust, but I just can't trust you, Lord. I just can't trust you. I'm a single person. I'm, a, I, I'm this, I'm that. I'm just starting in my business. I'm just taking off. I, if only I could get here. I, I have so many expenses. We're a brand new couple. We're, we're just now trying to buy a house. And, and we start being overcome with that fear. And then that fear, watch this, will lead to unbelief. How? Because then the enemy says, did God really say that? Well, I don't really know if God really said that. That's what pastor said, but he could be blowing that out of context. <laughs> then that fear makes way to more unbelief because the enemy goes, no, that's not what it is. And I hear people saying, well, the, the New Testament doesn't even talk about tithing and it mentions it eight times. Did you know that? But some people have gone in their unbelief to say, no, we live under grace. Yet God says, I don't change. Yet Jesus says, 
to the Pharisees, you tithe meticulously and you do well. Keep doing it. What I have against you is you don't have the heart. You have no mercy. You have no compassion. You have no love. Tithe, but have these things too. Amen? Doesn't do no good to say, I give you money, Lord, but then have a horrible hard heart. So, so do you see that the way that unbelief works? I'm sure this is how it worked in, in Judas's life. At some point, he started fearing because he saw things closing in. All the disciples started freaking out, didn't they? They were fighting and arguing and getting upset with one another. And, and even, even two of their, their two brothers, their mom came and got in on the, on, the, on the whole action. How? She came and said, Lord, promise me that my boys, when you come in your kingdom and establish your rule, they will be on the right and the left. They were all looking for what was about to happen. Listen, in that time, they all believed Jesus would rule like King David or King Solomon, that he was going to overthrow the Roman government, that he was going to establish an earthly kingdom, that they would no longer be oppressed. And they literally thought things were going to be great. But when it started noticing that it wasn't like they thought, Judas got scared, started stealing for himself because it was easy for him to go into unbelief and say, he's not the Messiah anyway. He's not the Messiah. I need to take care of myself. So watch fear, unbelief, selfishness. I need to take care of myself because this whole thing's about to come to an end. And we left our jobs. We left our careers. We left everything for this. And, and this thing's about to come to an end. I might as well get mine. I might as well take care of me. I might as well look after myself. And so this is what happened. He sold out the king of glory for 30 pieces of silver. And when he realized he was the Messiah, he went and threw the silver back in the temple and, and he went and hung himself. And you say, oh, pastor, that's a horrible way to end a sermon. What I'm trying to tell you is the enemy wants to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And some of us think we can play patty cake with him. So you say, okay, pastor, what do I do? Walk out faith. Walk out faith. Do you realize sometimes God wants to bless you, but you just never, never you didn't even think it was possible? They're going to play some music. I'm going to end this way. How many of you have ever gone camping at, at Balmeray State Park? How many of you know where Balmeray State Park is by Davis Mountains? I love our state parks. I, I, I endorse them every chance I get. Go use these beautiful places. Experience God's glory and, and majesty. Well, we're in Balmeray State Park, and it wasn't what I thought of. I think of a park like these huge trees and all, and it's pretty flat out there. It's in West Texas, way West Texas. And the night sky is the brightest sky I've ever seen. It's absolutely breathtaking. That's where UT has their observatory, out in that area. And so I'm there, and I just keep freaking out. Why? Because I'm a city boy. Any city boys in the room? If you're raised in the city... You always hear noise. There's just always this hustle and bustle. And there's, a, there's a, a tension and an anxiety that you don't even know you're living under. But you are. And, and you're just always hearing the highway. You're always hearing sirens. You're always hearing uh, gunshots. <laughs> Something's going on, right? There's just always something. So Melissa takes me out there. And I'm like a fish out of water. I'm like, she's like, what's wrong with you? I go, I don't know, I'm freaking out. And I realized something. I didn't know how to live with peace, real peace. Can I tell you, some of us don't know how to live with real peace because we've let the enemy steal from us for all these years and we just don't know how to live free. 
I'm going to preach on that when I get back. I mean, because next week we're going to have a special guest. He, I'm still going to be here. So I'm going to, I have to tell you that because people go, oh, pastor, not going to be here. I'm out. I'm still going to be here. But Dr. Rob Carmen's going to come and light this house on fire. He is amazing. But when I get back, I want to talk to you about how the children of Israel had to get free and truly learn how to live free. I had to learn how to just relax in God's peace. And I believe when you start giving and you start trusting the Lord, he is going to show you a new way to live. Something you didn't even know was possible. And at first you're going to be freaking out like, God, can you be this good to me? Something's about to happen. Something bad's about to happen. And God's going to be like, no. Watch. I'm rebuking the devourer. I'm taking care of your finances. I'm helping you now. And you're like, no, 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 no. I, I've always felt like, like, you can't be that good. And God goes, no, I am that good. But Lord, I've always been poor and I've always been this and I've always been that. God goes, no, 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 no. That's who you used to be. But now I'm involved. So as we finish... I'm going to ask you to pray right now. I'm not going to lead your prayer because I don't know what you need to pray. Maybe you've been struggling with selfishness and you need to confess that and say, Lord, I'm, I'm done. Maybe you've been claiming unbelief and hearing the enemy say, has God really said that? You will not be cursed. That is not true. And maybe you need to confess unbelief to him. Maybe it's just plain fear. I'm just so scared. I don't know how, Lord, to trust you. But I see that when I, when I live in fear, I'm giving the enemy an opportunity to mess with me. And right now, Lord, I just want to shut that door nice and tight. Anybody need to shut the door? Just begin to pray right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I confess my fear and I ask that your love would pour into my heart because love drives out fear. Help me to love you. But your word also says that where my treasure is, there my heart will be. So Lord, I will bring my tithe to your house and I will trust you in this, Lord, that you might rebuke this enemy that keeps riddling me with fear. Just begin to talk to God in Jesus' name. I love you, Foundation. Have a great, great week.